how to find website performance issues and how to fix them. Hey, it's David, and this is the Majestic SEO Podcast. On today's episode, we're discussing what are the most important website performance issues in 2023? How do you monitor for website performance issues and how do you fix them? Everything that we're going to discuss today, well, we are going to be joined by uh, two great ladies. Uh, first on the panel is Nikki. Hi, uh, my name is Nikki Halliwell. I am a uh, tech SEO lead at Journey Further. Uh, we're an agency based in Leeds in the UK, covering all sorts of industries. And I also work as a freelance SEO specialist as well uh, at NikkiHalliwell.com. And you can find me on, on all the usual socials. Superb. Well, thanks for joining us, Nikki. And also joining us is Prachi. Hello, uh, my name is Prachi Kishwani. Uh, I'm currently a freelance SEO specialist and I'm based in London at the moment. And you can find me on LinkedIn at Prachi Kishwani. Lovely. And thank you for joining us as well, Prachi. Uh, so we're going to have a great uh, discussion here about website performance issues, how to fix them, the most common issues, and hopefully it, it, the way that they're fixed, we won't see the issues again, but um, we'll see from your experience what's possible to do. Uh, so let's delve initially into the most important uh, potential websites performance issues that you tend to see in 2023. Uh, so Nikki, shall we start with you? Um, which issue would you like to highlight to begin with? I'm going to talk about an issue that I say come across websites of all sizes and all industries. And I feel like it's something that we've been talking about for years. And it's the number one issue that always comes up when we're talking about site speed and web performance. And that's images. We all know um, and I'm sure we've all been told lots and lots of times by various people that images are an issue. We need to make sure that they're optimized and as efficient as possible and all that fun stuff. But yet it still ends up being an issue in every audit that I do. So I definitely think that's something that hasn't gone away. It's probably not going to go away anytime soon. There's, I don't even want to know how many images are probably loaded to the web every day. Um, so yeah, it's, it's not going anywhere anytime soon, but there's there's a lot that can be done with images. Uh, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit detail in a minute. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure we can dedicate a whole episode to images. So we're going to be careful about that. But um, so we'll come back to images just in a second. Let's get Pratchy's opinion initially uh, about um, a, a key website performance issue. So, so, so what key website performance issue are you seeing at the moment? I think the most common issue that I'm seeing, David, is uh, network latency issues. So it refers to um, the uh, time taken between the server and the um, and the visitor. How long does it take to uh, pass the information between them? And I think the uh, main reason for this is like domain name server and the poorly formatted or poorly optimized uh, database. I think we can. Uh, I think SEO should definitely look into that. Okay, wonderful stuff. Anyway, lots to go back to with regards to latency there. That's that's a deep dive in itself as well. Uh, in the meantime, we'll go back to images and Nikki. So is it image file size? Is that, is, is that the biggest issue you're seeing? Typically, yes. I mean, you know, obviously when we talk about image optimization, that also covers things like file names as well as uh, alt text and all of that fun stuff. But in terms of web performance, yeah, we're talking about file sizes as well as file format as well. I mean, most of the time images are uploaded as either JPEGs or PNGs and not even, 
I find for the right format. I mean, PNGs are great for images with transparent background, but they're huge. I mean, if it's just going to be like a photo of our three smiley faces that we're going to upload to a website afterwards talking about this great podcast that we've done, we don't need that to be on a on a PNG format because it's going to be much heavier than than necessary. Something like that should should be like a JPEG uh, if we're going to stick with like standard formats. Obviously, we have like modern day formats um, that we can talk about as well. But yeah, it's, it's just knowing as well when to use the right format. There's also things like SVGs that can be used for logos, which have... Um, a smaller file size as well as having a lot of flexibility in in the sizes uh, that they can be used at but also things like setting appropriate height and width uh, for the images so that they are much more responsive as well and there's there's a lot that can be done about images especially as as you said david we could do a a whole podcast around around what to do with that absolutely uh, it's also a thing that I find that not all clients and, and website owners understand, but also sometimes web developers, depending on the the size of the development agency that, that you're working with, sometimes they don't understand that it's not just about making the images as small as possible, which is great, but that's not just what image optimization is. You know, you need to finesse it a little bit more than that because obviously images will start to be compromised in terms of quality if we're just squashing the life out of it and that's the last thing that a client's going to want especially on on an e-commerce website i feel like a a little bit of like a a dinosaur for sticking with jpegs and not embracing newer forms of images Uh, i mean webp that you mentioned there uh, is that is that um immediately accessible and readable and um, uh, possible to utilize for most browsers nowadays? Uh, are, there, are there any downsides to it? It's usable on most browsers, yeah. There's still a couple, especially some of like the older versions of browsers, and I think Safari um, could be could be slightly wrong on that, but I think Safari is not quite there yet in the same way that, that Chrome is with uh, formats like WebP but they're quickly catching up because they know the popularity of it and and the benefits that that it can have for end users in terms of helping their browsers to to load quicker. So there's definitely more people jumping on it. So so, so roughly, um, with regards to WebP, if if a website was being built now, would you suggest that website completely just utilises WebP? And if so, what roughly file size can a website manager expects their site to, to, to gain or to, to have less in terms of image size by using WebP instead of JPEG? I would want to use WebP where possible, especially for the largest ones, but you do need a fallback option such as JPEG just in case the, the user's browser isn't able to, to cope with that, especially if you're a business that's targeting people in international markets. They might not have as as fast of a web uh, connection as we might have, say, in the UK. So you need a fallback option just in case they're not able to to support those. And are most CMSs able to do things like that, to automatically generate fallback options if you upload a WebP um, or even another image to turn it into WebP and then have that kind of generate that version of the JPEG as well so that uh, all options are delivered when necessary? In my experience, yeah. And I've been able to work with the development teams to make sure that they are set up in that way especially on like larger cms's like magento and you know these these more complex ones rather than than wordpress for example you are able to build it in so that it does come as a as a fallback option in the same way that you have like um what's it called like backup fonts you know if you have like a 
uh, a fallback option for those in case the browser is not able to use it. It broadly works in in a similar sort of way. I guess the challenge with fonts is obviously they're potentially going to be taking up a little bit of a different amount of space on the page and you've got to have a yeah. think about how that's going to impact the layout and, and things like that. Yeah, and then you start to have things like layout shift if you're not careful otherwise, which again is a whole other other uh, topic. Yeah, I, 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 that's a website performance issue as well. <laughs> um, it we, is. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Prachi, um, you obviously uh, t- talked about uh, network latency uh, with regards to your tip there as well. Um, so let's go into a little bit more depth about that. I mean, you, you, you talked about um, how, how a domain was, was set up and, and um, how it, uh, I guess, was set up to point towards a particular server. Um, what are the the wrong ways to do that and, and, and what are the ways that you tend to to correct that? Um, I think it goes back to when you're choosing the right um, hosting hosting platform, you need to make sure that you have uh, some key questions answered. Like, is this hosting platform going to help you scale your website to the right um, uh, as your business grows? So if it's an e-commerce website and you start with the basic plan and then you go on uh, further and start like adding on things, you have to make sure that, oh, it's not going to crash. <laughs> the website's not going to crash. So I'd say definitely um, th- think about the future, like think about the goals that you have in mind uh, with uh, regards to your business. Yeah. So, so what are the elements of a host that... Um, is going to mean that you have the you know, a, a fairly fast experience for your users because obviously if you sign up to a cheap shared server based in another country compared with where your the majority of your users are that that's not a good experience to be using um but but what are the, some of the best choices that you can make to 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 enhance that experience to increase the speed i think cloudflare is a pretty good one so um if you're using uh, that then um it'll help you um It'll help you like scale your business as well. It'll help you scale your website. Um, apart from that, I've not really used other ones yet. Okay, so but, I mean, just generally pay a bit more for your host and uh, try and have it in the same country as your users. And then, um, I mean, obviously you're talking about CDNs there as well. That's a way to um, you know, potentially massive experience, uh, massively improve the experience of your users. Certainly, if you've got users in uh, different countries all over the world there as well. Shall we? Explore a little bit more into images. Is there anything that you feel that we haven't discussed yet, Nikki, in relation to to images? Just just before we um, move on to talking about monitoring, can do. Yeah, I mean, we can come back to to your question that I didn't quite answer. That was about like how much people can expect to see. I mean, how long is a piece of string? But it depends also on the size of your website. I think websites that are more in the e-commerce space are more likely to have. Uh, many more images than say a service-based business because obviously they've got lots of different products you need lots of photos from from different angles of all of your different products so I think they're much more likely to see a greater improvement by spending time working on working on their images and for me images is when I see it come up time and time again in an audit and when we're looking at uh, website performance is one of the first areas that I actually try to work on because it's one of the easiest, depending on the scale of the other issues, of course, it's one of the easiest to get buy-in from uh, key um, key stakeholders as well as development teams because everybody understands image size. When you're talking about things like minifying CES and JavaScript, yeah, you definitely need to, to look at that as well. But that's when people start to be a bit like, oh, I don't know what that means. I don't know what to do about it. And yes, as SEOs, we can support on that. And that's absolutely our job. 
but especially when it's a new client, it's nice and easy to get buy-in from everybody on images, prove your success on that one, monitor it, see the results and the improvement that you've made from working on those images. And then you're like, right, now we've done that. Now they tend to have a little bit more trust and understanding in how these things work and they trust your expertise. You can be like, right, now we can look at CSS files, uh, HTTP requests and, and all of those other things. Great advice there, just to start with images, prove what you do. So in terms of proving what you do and seeing the results that you've said, are you just talking about the results in terms of the amount of seconds that it takes for a page to load? Or can you ever actually see the results in terms of improved rankings and tie that back to improving website performance? Yeah, you can do both. I mean, one of the first things as well is looking at time to first bite, which ties back to what Prachi was saying about server latency. Um, you can quickly see the difference in, in time to first buy it. And if that's over like a couple of hundred milliseconds, then, you know, there's likely to be an issue with the server there that it, that it takes. Um, so there's likely to be a problem with the server there because of the delay in the time that it takes to get to that first bite. Um, so that's a key one to look at, but yeah, definitely you've got key metrics like largest contentful paint but also fully loaded time as well you know we spend a lot of time especially with core web vitals talking about scp lcp as well as uh, time to interactive but fully loaded time can be an interesting one to look at as well because obviously that's when everything's loaded on the page how long does that actually take and it's often a lot longer than than what you might think it can end up being like 20 to 30 seconds until it's done absolutely everything on the page and you're like how the hell does it take that long but that's because there's everything else still running in the background your website is uh, your web page is there and is visible and and usable but you've still got all these other processes running in the background and often they're not even needed you might not even know that they're still there it could be from like redundant code that's that's no longer used on the site but it's just been been left there so yeah there's there's lots of different areas and metrics that you can look at site speed and and page experience they definitely do play into to google's algorithm and there's certainly things that we should look at i mean google has talked recently within the last year about depreciating some of these systems around um page experience and for me, that's because I find that people have just been looking at trying to get like a perfect 100 out of 100 score on things like PageSpeed Insights. But 100 out of 100 means means nothing. I can go into the back back end of any website and just tweak the tweak the scores to make it look like I've got a nice green light. But actually, it's it's the real life metrics like you know time to first buy, like LCP, that are actually giving a real measurement of how users are are engaging with the websites. You know, yeah. that's and that's that's why I like to pay much more attention to those rather than getting a, a nice little green traffic light because that, that doesn't amount to anything. But rankings are always going to tie back to user experience and therefore by extension um, site speed and, and web performance. They're very addictive, aren't they? Um, I, I loved getting five A's or <laughs> a score like that, all, all green like that, but it's not necessarily uh, the, what you're delivering to users, as you say. Uh, and um, just going back to the kind of fully loaded time for the for the whole page, um, is it ever worthwhile to actually um, limit the loading of uh, images that are um, kind of b- below um, the the scene screen so um you have to scroll to actually uh, get to that particular content is it worthwhile not loading that content until the user actually goes down there or is it better practice to actually load 
the, the, the full page, even though the user is not necessarily going to see underneath. No, absolutely. I'd, I'd definitely make use of, of lazy loading uh, as it's known or, you know, deferring off-screen images is what you might get seen as as the recommendation that comes up in, in tools like PageSpeed Insights. Um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, not all users are going to scroll below the fold. So, you know, why waste time for those to to load if if your website doesn't load because it's loading that massive image that, that you've got halfway down the page they're not even going to see the image at the top so they could be much more likely to leave before anything happens so absolutely defer anything that's not needed for that initial page view but actually i alluded to a tool called uh, web page test that i know you've used in the test so uh, maybe for that tool or, or or other tools um what do you think are the the key metrics to look at uh, to try to improve? I think Nikki covered it really well. I think all the uh, Google Page Speed Insights um, metrics are really important. The LCP, the largest contentful paint, and the uh, VID, I think it's called. Yeah, all of those are really important. I think uh, keeping in mind the bounce rate is also really important, which can be tracked on Google Analytics. I think uh, that's important as well. Um, I've used Pingdom uh, before. I think that's a good uh, tool to um, check the measure, your first byte as well. Okay, superb. Um, so LCTB, uh, LCP, rather, the metric that measures the time a website takes to show the largest content on the screen, complete and ready for interaction. So kind of key metric there as well. Um, so you mentioned Pingdom as well. Do you have to use multiple tools or is there just one tool that you like to use? Um, I like to use multiple tools just uh, just to get an overview of what is what each tool is recommending and what um, different uh, tools are saying. So I think an uh, getting an overview from different tools is helpful. But I think with monitoring, of course, you'll see um, which tool uh, sort of says that you're performing better and what areas you can improve. Nikki, do you want to add to that? Yeah, sure. Um... I do use PageSpeed Insights. I know I just complained slightly about their use of, you know, um, scores out of 100, but I absolutely do still use them. You can still get uh, timing scores out of that. Web page test, I use that very regularly as well, but I also like GT Metrics. It's very similar to those. They do have a score um, ranked from A to F, like a school grading system, um, but yet yeah, they absolutely do use um, real word timings as well. And yeah, I, I use multiple ones for that exact reason. You can also test from different locations on all of these various tools. And, and that's really important to see how it's loading in different areas, how um, how different customers are likely to experience as well. Even if you're just targeting the UK, um, I think, Prachi, you said you were, you were based in London, right? So um, you uh, might be slightly further away uh, from the server, whereas I'm based in uh, Manchester. So I'm more up north uh, than you, but you might not think that there's that much of a difference between us. We're, we're based in the same country, but actually, depending on where the, the server is is based, you can actually see a difference in um, in how the web page is loading. So with these tools, you can replicate those those locations. So it's definitely worth doing that, and that's another reason for for using different tools. And you know, you can collate the scores and, and work out the average from them. And Nikki, you also mentioned that it's, it's not just about the score, it's about actually understanding true user experience and whether or not people are satisfied with what you offer. But I guess it's also down to what your industry is doing as well. Uh, I mean, if all your competitors have websites that get 50 out of 100 scores, old Ds or however you want to put it, then is there any value 
in trying to get top marks or near top marks? Or is all you have to do just get a little bit better than your competitor? And that's all that matters. I don't do it solely with the goal of I want to be better than competitor A. I improve web performance because I want to provide a better experience for my customers. And that's the way that, that I measure it, which is just a, a slightly different way of thinking. They both ultimately have the same income, uh, sorry, have the same outcome, but I'm not doing it just to try and beat the guy next door. He's not the one that's going to you know, generate more money for, for my business or for my client's business. It's, it's the customers that are going to do that. So I put myself in their shoes and t- again, test in different ways and be like, okay, what's, what's annoying me about this page loads? Is it when I go to click on that button and it shifts? That's CLS. Is it because there's a massive carousel at the top that I can't actually read because it's scrolling through too quickly and it's taking way too long to, to load? And that's, that's how I try to approach it. And it, it tends to work out a lot better in that way. Okay, great. Okay. So it's, it's, it's down to how you actually use the website in terms of what's important and it's not necessarily what the tools say. Does that mean that you also maybe try to get other independent users that perhaps even haven't even actually experienced the website before to test the website, to give you feedback? Uh, Are there any places that you can go to online that you would recommend to recruit people that would do something like that? Yeah, it's all about real world um real world experience i mean you can get an idea of that in tools like google search console uh, you can see like poor urls good urls and all that sort of stuff you can also use tools like like hotjar they do add additional code to your website and if you're only going to use it once and then not use it again make sure that you take the code off the page please because otherwise it just stays there for years to come and it just adds weight to your page which is you know one of the issues with everything that we're talking about but if you want to use it for a short while to, to capture that data and see how people are using your website when it loads, absolutely go ahead. There's, there's plenty of others out there as well, uh, not just Hotjar. So definitely do your research and find those. Um, but speak to, to agencies as well. I mean, I know at Journey Further, we have a web experience team and they do a lot of CRO testing and, and various processes like that and just to see how things are happening and how people are, are engaging with it and sometimes that can actually be the opposite of of what the tools are saying so the tool might say that oh this css file is is the biggest issue that's the one that has a, the biggest red mark um and is is slowing down the page as much but actually when a, when you use these tools or you you listen to what your CRO team are saying it might actually be that image that's just in the way of some of the text that you didn't even realize because it looks great on on desktop and that's what you see but on mobile actually you might have like a, a chat box. I see that happen a lot, actually, like a chat box that's in the bottom corner, but it's in the way of some of the text mm. and you can't actually click the checkout button because the chat, uh, the chat box in the way. And you didn't even know that that, that was an issue, which again is, is adding more to the site. Absolutely. So it's things like that, that you don't even know are an issue until you actually get, you know, it, real users engaging with your site and testing it and actually recording those people's experiences. Definitely. And the IT director maybe thinks, well, no one wants to check out on a mobile device. They just don't like doing that. But it's actually because the checkout button's um, um, obscured. It's, um, it's it's not possible to, to click, click on it at all. And talking about different devices, um, there are many different devices out there. Obviously, you, there's, there's mobile, there's desktop, but there's different types of tablets uh, as well. There's different um, operating systems on tablets as well. Um, so, Prachi, are you, are you generally feeling that, um, generally finding that there's some 
good testing going on of each type of device? Or do you tend to find that there are certain types of devices that are missed out when it comes to testing? I think um, people should be testing more on mobile. They're making their websites more mobile friendly nowadays because um, a lot of the traffic, as you said, comes from mobile devices and from tablets as well. So I think there's definitely an improvement that we can do. Okay, well, uh, let's talk a little bit more about then. You've got these changes, you've identified these issues. Um, Perhaps you're working in an agency and you're dealing with a a team within an enterprise or you're working in-house, but you still need to actually articulate why these changes need to be made. Um, Nikki, Nikki, how do you go about um, telling uh, an IT team, look, these changes need to be made when you get a pushback to say, yes, but we've got 20 other things on our list first, so we can do that in six months' time? Yeah, and that's one of the biggest challenges that, a lot of us face, especially when it comes to to dev teams and IT teams, exactly as you said, they're like, well, I've got these other things to do. That's just an SEO ticket. I'll just put it at the bottom of the pile. For me, it's learning to speak the language of the IT team, the dev teams, and actually giving them the information that they care about first. So I created a template uh, here with Jenny Further that we've now rolled out across all of the SEO team um, obviously we, we customize it as needs be, but it has all of the things in there. Like, how do you find this issue? The operating system, like basically everything that a developer would come back to us and ask, it's got how, where to find it, what to do about it. It's got screenshots, you name it, it's, it's in there. Um, we've also got like the size of the issue, which can change depending on who you're working with. Some do like small, medium and large, some do t-shirt sizing or whatever the case may be. But that's been the number one thing for us is is speaking the language of the people that we're also speaking to. That cuts out the the questions that we have to keep either asking ourselves or answering on on um, on behalf of the client. And it means things can move through the dev queue a lot quicker. And yeah, it's it's just a lot smoother and more efficient for everybody. But the number one thing also, or the number two thing, should I say, is assigning a value to it. You can't do it for for every task. And sometimes it can be like finger in the air type stuff. Um, Everybody wants to know how much money this change is going to generate them. And sometimes you can kind of do that if you've got like traffic and and click-through rate data and various other um, metrics that you should have if you've got your uh, GA or J4, should I say now, set up correctly. Um, but even then, just having like a ballpark revenue sometimes is is all that they need. You don't have to say exactly to the pound and pence how much money people can can expect to generate. But also when that's not possible, I found that using like a basically like a PIE metric, um, so potential importance and ease is what they stand for. And then each one is on a score out of 10, which gives us a final score out of 30. Even just things like that can help other people understand the importance of it and you know why things are classed where they are in terms of priority so for me that's been another easy way uh, another effective way to get around getting these tickets through the system when you're not always able to assign a, a monetary value to to these tickets so talking about monetary value there was a figure that i used to use and this is from a long time ago so back in 2009 i believe there was some leaked data from amazon that was published online and um, i understand that amazon found that every 100 milliseconds of latency cost them 1% in sales. Um, So I used to use that figure to calculate potentially uh, how much speeding 
up a website uh, could save them. Um, is, 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 is that the kind of um, figures that you use now? Yeah, exactly that. Um, as I say, like taking into consideration, of course, things like traffic uh, as well and, and click-through rates. But yeah, that's exactly the sort of formulas that, that I do use uh, when when presenting these. Okay, and yourself, Prachi, um, so um, when you're talking to teams uh, in, in, in a big enterprise, um, is there anything in particular that you do to try and persuade them what you're recommending should be implemented as soon as possible? Um, I think Nikki covered it well. I think prioritizing the right issues is really um, crucial uh, with dev teams because they tend to ignore <laughs> SEO tickets as well. So something else that you did mention, uh, Prachi, earlier on was the use of a CDN. And that's something that um, can really make uh, the whole user experience much, much more effective for, for a global audience. Um, so would you like to share a little bit more about uh, perhaps the use of a CDN and um, perhaps which elements on a website, if any um, particular ones, are, are uh, most impacted positively by the use of a C CDN? Um, I think all the um, core web vitals are really um, well um, covered if if a CDN is used. Um, apart from that, I think um, um, page traffic is also really um, uh, really uh, it, it increases um, if a CDN is used as well. Okay, so so that's that's an interesting point there. So what you're essentially saying is um, a CDN can much better cope with spikes in traffic. Uh, because of certain events or sales or um, special occasions happening throughout the year. Yes, absolutely. And, and Nikki, do do you have any experience of CDNs being used um, that have really assisted uh, with website performance during special occasions like Black Friday or perhaps the lead up to Christmas? Yeah, exactly. You you beat me to it. Actually, I was going to use Black Friday as as an example, but yeah, any big sale season, Christmas, even. Thing like we have a client that um, that sells like greeting cards, so even for them, events like Father's Day and Mother's Day, you know, they have significant sales all around those sorts of periods. So yeah, absolutely, they can they can have big surges of traffic and and CDNs and their their caching features can can make a big difference in there because you know it can, even if you've you've got with all the best intentions a a, a nice strong server if there's a sudden surge in traffic that they're not expecting, your website can can go down and then you're losing hundreds, sometimes even thousands or more uh, pounds in, in revenue. Whereas if uh, you've got a CDN that's able to cash them, then hopefully there won't be be any downtime at all or certainly no downtime that your users are able to, to see on the end. You can also use like load balancing and other server-side processes to, to help go with that. Edge servers is another one. It's not something that I have a lot of experience in, uh, to be completely honest, but it is something that I am looking to to explore more depending on, on the website setup and, and things like that, but also security as well. It's, I feel like it's not something that people talk about a lot with, with CDNs, but they can offer a lot of security benefits as well just by providing like an extra backup, basically, or an, or an extra step that, that people might need to go through one in terms of HTTPS and making sure that S is is forced, but also if anybody is trying to be a little bit naughty and, and hack your website, 
the the CDN is like a another locked door that they have to to fight their way through. So there's there's plenty of benefits to be taken from from making sure that you're you're set up with with a good uh, delivery network. Yeah, great points. And um, uh, the challenge is that. Um, most people will only take issue uh, with your site if and when something happens to it. They, they, they won't have um, a problem, obviously, if it continues operating as, as, as normal. Um, what about forecasting likely loads on a website and how much uh, resource you require to power that website uh, for those peak occasions? So you, you might... Um, be be very comfortable uh, the majority of the time not using a CDN or not having a, a server of of of, of X size. Um, but but how do you determine um, how much the traffic is likely to go up, and also what kind of support you need for your site in order to be able to cope with that? You can forecast. Um, it's not personally my favourite task, so I do try to to get one of my my colleagues to do that instead. Um, but you know, again, forecast is is very much finger in the air stuff. Yes, it's based on data, and it's it should be um, relatively accurate. But it is it's it's difficult, and when you have like a big sale, or if you've got like a a, a bit of press coverage that you weren't expecting, you might have a sudden influx to your website. I mean, we have a like a banking client, and they were featured on um, like Money Saving Expert, talking about the the rates that they were offering. And that single mention from them completely took down their website um, for for a good couple of hours. And you know they're they're a relatively well known um, known bank, um, so they do have robust servers, and you know they do get a, a good amount of, of press coverage, as well as as various sales and, and CDNs as well to back up. But it's it's very difficult to do, and I I don't know what the correct answer would be in terms of anticipating that other than making sure that it's as strong as it can can possibly be but yeah it was just that sudden spike that there was no way they could have predicted that that martin lewis on on money saving expert was going to mention them that night and yeah they they just got overwhelmed but it's a good way to test like also when when you're crawling your site we we have this with with another client in in another industry they've got a very slow server and they're reluctant to upgrade it because it'll be expensive. Their argument is, oh, well, it's fine when we use it in the office. I like, well, yeah, it is, but that's a couple of hundred of you in the office. You've got thousands and thousands of customers. When they're all using it at the same time, they're not going to have the same experience. But also when we try and crawl their website, we have to limit it to do, I think it's, it's not my client, it's one of my colleagues, but she's having to do like one URL every 20 seconds. And it takes her like two days to call the website because of how slow she she has to do it. And that's running, you know, day and night. And that's because they're scared of the site going down, but they're so reluctant to to upgrade the server. And it's just a, a, a bit of a nightmare, really. I mean, if it's that slow and not able to call, cope with uh, a crawler running through that, then you, you definitely know that, it's a problem and unfortunately you're going to have to put your hands in your pocket and do something about it because like I say if it's a problem for for the crawler it's going to be a problem for Google and it's also going to be a problem for your users and that's that's where you're running to significant issues. So it's quite reasonable to say that you're not going to be able to predict every single potential scenario that is going to come up that's going to drive traffic yeah. at your site that's going to cause you issues so then 
you come to the next stage, which is just trying to ensure that um, everything's monitored so that if there yeah. is an issue, you've identified it as quickly as possible and you're able to deal with it. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so what are your thoughts on, on monitoring and, and how to ensure that if there is an issue, it's dealt with uh, as soon as possible? Yeah, there's a few different tools that you can use for that. I mean, there's things like um, Little Warden is really, really good for giving you like a real-time uh, notification when your site goes down. It will literally ping you an email or a notification, depending on which which option you choose. Uh, it will ping you as soon as it goes down, so you can be like, oh, damn, I need to do something about this and take necessary action. Uh, it will also send you another notification when the site's back up, and it will tell you how much downtime down there's been, which is really useful as well. Um for like tracking, keeping track of that, especially if it happens overnight. Like if we're in the UK, obviously there's a time difference to the US. It could have happened on the US site or it could have happened because of US customers and things like that. Um, you're not always going to be able to get something to do um, at that time because you're, you're probably in bed. But when you come to work in, in the morning, you'll have seen that there was an issue so you can start to address it. So those tools are really good. But there's also another one that that we use here at Journey Further called Debug Bear. Mm-hmm. And I really like that one because you you connect it to your site. You can set up several different templates per site. So you might have like your your homepage, your PLP, your PDP, and maybe your blog as well. Um, and it tracks it over time. You can set it to do like one test every day, or you can even do like three tests a day, or you know however however frequent you would like, basically. But then it has it in a really useful graph, so you can literally see how things are changing by the day. And then you can much more quickly jump on and, and see if there is an issue with with any of the metrics that we talked about earlier. So FCP, LCP, uh, CLS, all of those. You can see specifically which ones are affected. But also once you've implemented any of the improvements that we've talked about today, you can make note of that in the tool and see how that affects each of the metrics on the site and be like, okay, that's now sold. So, okay, we've we fixed images that's sorted out uh, largest contentful paint, but we can see that the uh, CLS is is still a problem. There's still a lot of shift going on. So then you you can start to to look at that. But Dig Bugbear has been been really effective for us and just keeping track of how it's happening in relatively real time. Yeah, I, I love the look of that. Actually, I'm on the website at the moment, uh, debugbear.com, and I see that you can track, as you say very specific potential issues um first contentful paint largest contentful paint but but uh, cumulative layout shift there as well L- lots of different areas as well because when you're trying to identify issues when you're monitoring it's not just about is my site up or down that, that, that's how monitoring used to be um if you can define something as 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 closely um as uh, as to w- what i've just listed then you can immediately determine what the issue is and then you can go and hopefully sort it within a few minutes instead of actually taking a, a long time to actually find out what's caused, caused the issue. So great share. Thank you for that. So we um, have um, Prachi um, has disappeared. Uh, I'm sure she's uh, just had a, a little problem with her internet connection. Hopefully she had it monitored and uh, she had it detected. But uh, um that's a shame that um, she can't just um, be here just um, for, for the end of this particular episode. But um, we thank her for contributing. And um, of course, Nikki, um, thank yeah, you for contributing as well. You shared a lot of um, really valuable inform- information there as well. A lot of resources that um, you've mentioned that I'm sure many listeners are going to go away and check out and um, find out more. It's impossible to mention 
everything on an episode like this, but um, if you can just give them a few resources and um, a few thoughts uh, in their minds to, to, to go away and do further research into um, um, these items, these website performance um, um, items that you've mentioned here as well. So um, in terms of resources, in terms of yourself, Nikki, um, would you like to just finish off by just um, reminding the listener um, who you are, where they can find out a little bit more about you? Yeah, absolutely. And just to, to add to that, I think the, the number one thing to remember with this, if, if you take away one thing from, from today's podcast, it would be that web performance is an ongoing process. It's never something that you just fit once and then you sit back and be like, right, I'm done now. I'm off to the pub or I'm off to the park. Like it's, it's, it's never that case. It's always something that you're going to have to keep working on because things always change. The websites always change, users always change, and, and Google always changes. So it is something that you're going to have to keep working on. And for me, that's a good thing because it, it keeps us employed. But it, it's it's also part of the, the challenge. And, and personally, I, I like challenges. But yeah, just just don't be discouraged if you if you work on your images or you get a CDN once and then you find that there's, there's still issues. That's fine. You know, it just means that you just need to to keep tweaking and and keep going and yeah, there's, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. It doesn't mean you did anything wrong either. But yeah, in, in terms of me, uh, I'm Nikki Halliwell. I am a tech SEO lead at Journey Further. We're a performance marketing agency covering SEO, paid media, PR, and all of that fun stuff, as well as programmatic, um, based in the UK as well as in the US. And I do freelance uh, as well. You can find me at... Um, NikkiHalliwell.com. Journey Further is uh, journeyfurther.com as well. And we're both on all of the usual social medias. Um, I also have a website called techseoaudits.com, which is offering um, audits and various other services. So you can just literally check out, um, use like the checkout process on there uh, if you'd like to purchase any of those rather than uh, having to inquire. But yeah, it's... Um, been good fun uh, chatting with you today, uh, David. Hopefully, hopefully Patch is okay and she gets her internet back up and running as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it was superb having you on, uh, having you both on there. Uh, as you said, uh, just to uh, uh, the beginning there, keep tweaking, keep testing, but also keep monitoring as well. I've been your host, David Bain, and you've been listening to the Majestic SEO Podcast. If you want to join us next time, sign up at majestic.com slash webinars. And of course, check out our other series at seoin2023.com. Bye-bye for now.